Thank you for this place. Thank you that um, it, it is a really good venue for us, Lord. There's lots of space and lots of room to move around and to sit and to talk with one another. Thank you, Father, for providing this for us. Help us to really understand the great blessing we have of being able to listen to you and study your word and come together and encourage one another. And thank you for all the people who've encouraged me today and all the ways that they've done that. Thank you, Lord, for um, fellowship. And, um, and Lord, I ask now that um, you would keep us on track, keep us focused on what it is that we are going to be hearing from you. Help us to uh, make the decisions that we need to make. Thank you that you have not removed our free will, that you still want us to choose and to choose to love you and to serve you and to honour you. And thank you that it matters that, that we do. Thank you, Father. Um, because we are lifted up by you honouring us in that way and um, encouraged by the fact that you do set before us the choice and ask us to go along with you. So I thank you, Lord, for it all, and I ask you to give us a greater understanding of what it is you're calling us to and how you will equip us to answer that call. In Jesus' name, amen. I just wanted to um, say something about, uh, which I didn't say. You know, I remember I said I was completely off my notes and I didn't know what I'd forgotten and what I hadn't. So just, just one thing I wanted to say. Uh, back in Joshua chapter 1, um, when we're talking about um, what God says to Joshua, um, uh, let me just read from it. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7 and 8. Um, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And uh, in my notes here I'd written, it's one thing to say to someone, be strong and courageous and quite another thing to enable him to be strong and courageous. And that's what God's promise is. Three times in the instructions, it is be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, and then again, be strong and courageous. And the only reason God is asking or telling Joshua to be strong and courageous is because he will make him strong and courageous. He will enable him to be strengthened and to have courage. And he says in these verses how he will do it. Um, and so, um, and that's what I love about God. He, he tells you one thing, and then he tells you how he's going to do it and how you're going to do it. So how will Joshua get his strength? Where will he get his strength? From these verses. From meditating on his word day and night. That's where Joshua will get his strength. It's very specific. Joshua's strength and his courage will come from meditating on the word and, um, and believing its promises and obeying what it says so that you'll be careful to do everything that's written, he says. Um, and, you know, Joshua will only do that because he believes what God is saying. So, so he's going to get his strength and courage from meditating on the word. What does it mean to meditate? Chew it over, yeah. Pray, yeah. Dwell on, it. Dwell on it, yeah. Think about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, let it sink into your mind. Actually, the Hebrew word to meditate means to mutter. 
And that's really an insight, don't you think, into why God says to Joshua, do not let this word depart from your mouth. Oh, yeah. So um, that's the idea of it, that um, Joshua was to mutter, he was to speak to himself the word that he read. Now that opens up another whole door, doesn't it? about how we're strengthened and how we're given courage. It's not just to lay in bed at night and think about the Word of God, because if I do that, I'm asleep in about two minutes. You know, but if you start to talk to yourself and actually say out loud what you're meditating on, you know, then I think you'd find you'd stay awake a lot longer. And, um, and, and there's a truth in there that God repeats throughout Scripture, which is one of the weapons we're going to look at um, this, this second half is about the weapons, the arms that we've been given. And there's a truth in Scripture that's, that goes throughout, which is that you, we are strengthened as we speak the Word of God. As we actually speak it out, we receive from God. We receive power, we receive strength, we receive courage, we receive all of that. Because the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts through bone and marrow, even able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is powerful. It's powerful. Um, remember Romans chapter 1, verse um, 16, I think it is, well, 15 and 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation, to all who believe. That word power is dynamos in Greek, and it's from, we get our word dynamite from that. So God's word is the gospel is the dynamite of God. I mean, you can see what God's telling us, but the gospel's dynamite. It's dynamite. Do you want to set an explosion in someone's heart? Give them the gospel. Do you want to shake their world? Give them the gospel. Because that's what will do it. And this is what he's telling Joshua. If you will receive strength and courage as you meditate on my word, and meditating on my word for the Hebrews meant muttering, muttering, um, speaking the word. And, um, and it was the practice of the Jews to speak the word aloud to each other. You can see that in Acts chapter 8 and Deuteronomy 6. I love that passage in Deuteronomy where Moses um, says to the people of Israel, um, talk to your, you know, when, speak the word when you rise up and when you lie down and when you sit down and speak to your sons and tell them the word of God. This is a terrible paraphrase, but that's what he's doing. And he says, be careful to do this. Be careful to do this when you get into the land, lest you forget that I'm the God who gave you these things. So that's what God has been telling all the way through Scripture. Talk about me. Speak my word to one another. Speak my word to yourself. I think last time when we were here, I can't remember what it was about last time, but the day, what was it? Hope, I think it was about hope. Hope fulfilled? Yeah, thank you. And we looked at Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, and that is really the psalmist saying, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? It's like, speak to your own soul and say, why are you feeling like this? You have a God who is mighty and powerful. So this is all that, um, as I say, you could go anywhere in Scripture and find the same thing. Speak out the word of God. And, um, and you will know peace and joy and, and all the rest of it. So, um, as I say, we've spent the first two sessions looking at the call, and now we're going to look at the arms. And so could we go to Ephesians chapter 6? Um, Ephesians 6, which is one passage that everybody knows, 
about the armour of God. Ephesians 6, and we'll read from verse 10 through to verse 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armour of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armour of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I won't continue with that because um, we're going to stop there. And I want to start at the end of that reading. So to start with um, prayer. Because prayer is, um, I think it's a weapon. And I also think it's the uh, walkie-talkie that, um, you remember in the old uh, war movies, they used to have the walkie-talkie and they'd be speaking to the commander. Well, I think prayer is the walkie-talkie that we've been given to speak to God, uh, who's, I'm going to call the commander, the commander-in-chief. So, um, uh, in another way, you could say that um, prayer is the hotline. It's the red phone that sits on the president's, uh, on someone's desk that's going to take them straight to the president or to the king. So, it's a walkie-talkie or it's a hotline. In any way, it is the gift from God to you, to you, and, um, and we are to use it as a weapon. We are to use it as a weapon. Um, in verse 12, what does Paul tell them about our enemy? It's not flesh and blood. Our fight, our battle is not against flesh and blood. But I mean, really, think about that. Um, we, ha- we are in a fight. We're in a battle. Yeah. I mean, Paul just takes that as red. He thinks you know that. Yeah. So... Um, we are in a battle. We're not um, fighting flesh and blood. He calls us to put on the army armor, and then he tells us to um, to take up arms in verse 17 and 18. And all of that passage—it's kind of funny how we miss it—but it's all fighting talk. <laughs> it's all—it's all talking about fighting war. It's all about war. And once you understand that the purpose of prayer is to fight, you see it everywhere in Scripture. It's quite amazing. You know, that that you could miss it for so long and then suddenly see it. It's everywhere. Um, Look at John chapter 15, verse 16. Um, John 15, 16, Jesus is with his disciples. They're just in a vineyard, probably, coming down to the the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, He's on his way to be arrested. And uh, John 15, verse 16, he says... um, uh, well, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Why is the Father going to give the disciples what they asked for in Jesus' name? Why? Why is he going to do that? Yeah, but what's the purpose of it, though? You're right, Rosemary, but what's the purpose of it? 
Why will, why will the Father give the disciples what they ask for in Jesus' name? Because they're chosen and appointed, but what? He's not just going to answer because they're chosen and appointed. He's not even just going to answer because he, they ask in Jesus' name. He's going to answer because he's told them to go and bear fruit. And in order for them to bear fruit, they need to ask Jesus, ask in Jesus' name. So the reason he's telling them that God will answer their prayer, the reason he gave them prayer, is because he wants them to bear fruit. Why does he want them to bear fruit? So that, so that the fruit would remain. So that, and and what, in the end of that passage, I don't think I read it, but in the end of the passage, what's the, what's the outcome of bearing fruit? Yes. And what's the outcome of us doing that? No. Glory to God. Glory to God. That is the outcome of bearing fruit. Glory to God. So our purpose here is to be in this battle. We're fighting back the enemies of darkness. And as we have success in that, we bring glory to God. So the reason that God has given us the gift of prayer is so that we are able to bear fruit. And the reason he wants us to bear fruit is so that he is glorified. And when he is glorified and when there's more fruit, what happens? Just think about enemies. Think about the enemy. Think about God being glorified. When will God be glorified in terms of the enemy? When he's defeated. When we show the reality of the victory that we have in Christ. You see, we are behind enemy lines. We've been left, you know, I mean, it's Remembrance Day tomorrow, isn't it? So we're, we've been left in enemy territory. We're not the ones who stayed at home. We're the ones in enemy ter- territory. And so we are behind the enemy lines. And we need to be able to contact our commander-in-chief. And if we can't contact him, we're alone. This is what prayer's for. It's so that we can contact him, so that we know that we are never alone and that he has a plan and a purpose and a direction and a way and he will give it to us as we ask him. And all of that for the purpose of winning the battle. And we win the battle when we bring people when, when we preach the gospel to them, live the gospel in front of them, and they become believers. Can you see what I mean? So what I'm trying to say is that prayer as a weapon is everywhere in Scripture, but I just hadn't seen it so much before. Yeah. It was suddenly, I was just thinking, okay, so he lists the prayer at the bottom of this about armour, and we always tend to stop at the end of the armour. We, we tend to think that the, the verse 18 in this passage is a new paragraph. Does your Bible have capital letters for new paragraphs? So verse 18 starts a new paragraph, doesn't it? But it's not a new paragraph in in the original language. It's part of verse 17. It's the same sentence. So in that sentence, it says... Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm not misquoting it. Um... Oh, gosh, look, see how far down that is in my notes? Oh, well, I'll, you'll have to wait till I get to it. So it's part of the same sentence. So the prayer is part of the armour, is part of the weapon. So we can't separate it. Prayer is a weapon for fighting, and the purpose of prayer is to enable us to accomplish the mission for which we've been left here. Um, so think about it. Ha- what have you thought about prayer in the past?
I mean, I'm going to have to put my hand up and say, I thought prayer was something I have to do because God wants me to talk to him about everything. And I'm to come to him about every detail in my life. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. Actually, when you think about it, nothing's big to God, is it really? What could possibly be big to God? So there's nothing that I don't talk to him about. And I've always thought prayer is just the communication between me and God, right? Which it is. I have never really gone into the thought of it being the walkie-talkie or it being the weapon with which I fight the battle. I don't think I've ever really expanded that thought. So think about us now as a community. Think about the Western church and how the Western church thinks about prayer. And then ask, ask the question, why are we so ineffective in our battle? Yeah. Yes. 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 But think about that. If if prayer is a weapon, and if it's been given to us so that we can accomplish the mission for which we're still here, then it's vital. But what would you be praying about if you knew it was a weapon, and it was to accomplish your purpose, strategy, and? Plans and fighting off the devil and how much time would you pray for a new house? You know, seriously, seriously, or, or whatever. How much time would you spend on that? I'm not saying you would never do it because God's your loving father and he wants to be involved in your life. But if you think about prayer as a weapon or even, as I say, as the walkie-talkie to the commander, it gives you a completely different perspective on why you're praying, on why you're praying. What are you praying for? You're saying, God, I want you to do whatever is necessary to make me able to bear fruit behind enemy lines. I want you to do whatever is necessary to enable that in me. I want you to make me strong and courageous. I want you to give me strength. I want you to enable me to fight the fight and run the race and all of those things. I want you to do that so that I keep the faith and so that my life witnesses to the reality of who you are because I believe that will glorify you and bring in fruit. Yeah, I, I, that's another whole conversation, Alan. I don't know if you made a mistake or not. I, I, I wouldn't like to say you made a mistake because you were praying for her. That seems wrong to me. Um, I don't know, but I mean, we'd have to talk about that at a different time. 
Um, I think that what I want to say is that I think the weakness of our prayers and the problem with our prayers is very often because we're, we're using a wartime weapon for a peacetime environment that doesn't exist. We think we're, we're not in a war. So we're using the, the weapon of prayer or the walkie-talkie that's connecting us to the commander and we're using it as if we're on a holiday when we're actually in a battle. Do you see what I mean? So, again, this is no, none of this is for judgment. You're here today. You could be anywhere else. And most of you are here every time we do something. So this is not a judgment. This is just, can we get our thinking a little bit different? Can we kind of turn our thinking around and think, okay, what if prayer is a weapon? If it's a weapon and if it's a... Uh, walkie-talkie, I am never again going to say, well, uh, you know, what could I do for you? What could I do for you? Oh, well, I'll just pray. I'm never again going to say just and pray in the same sentence. Yes. So do you see what I mean? We have to change our perspective. What does prayer, what is it? What's it for? And how powerful is it? And um, because a lot of people you know, they're bound by their body, by their physical body. They're not able to go out and do this or do the other thing or anything else. So they're bound. And so what they do is feel defeated because they can't go and do. But actually, there are three weapons given to us in Scripture. And prayer is probably the first of those weapons. So think about that and now think, your bodily problem that means you can't get out? Is that the thing that God has given you to enable you to use most effectively the most important weapon that he's ever given to Christians? I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to belittle physical inability. I'm not trying to say any of that. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't pray for healing. I think we should. But I'm saying let's let's get the correct perspective of what prayer is. So when I say we're opening up you know, in Desire and Truth, we're having this uh, prayer, a share and prayer, we call it, um, prayer centre, right? That's not just a kind of tiny thing that we're doing because, oh, you poor things, you all need prayer. I mean, we're so super strong, but you really need prayer. That's not for that. This is a place where you can come and talk about with someone else, you know, this is what's holding me up in my life in the military. This is what's holding me back, This is an encumbrance that I want to lay down. And God has so designed it that if I pray together with someone else, he will enable that to happen. And I can go forward. I can go forward with the army. Do you see what I mean? It's a wholly different thing. You know, um, so I think that we have, um, well, I've actually written here that we've taken a wartime walkie-talkie and turned it into a hotel intercom. I must have read it somewhere because it's probably too good for me, so I probably read it somewhere. But you know, that's what I think we've done. I think that we've done. I've definitely done that. You know, hats off. I have definitely, hands up, I've definitely done that. I'm always talking to the Lord about all my things. You know, they're not much really involved in fighting the battle, making my stand. So, Luke 21, 34 to 36. You'll know these verses. We're going to go back to Ephesians. So, um, but Luke 21, 34 to 36. 
Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life and that, and that day will not come upon you suddenly like a trap for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We know that this is um, Jesus talking about the time of um, the uh, fall of Jerusalem, actually, in AD 70. Uh, also looking ahead to the time, I think, uh, of persecution and trouble within uh, in the world. But he's warning them here that times of distress and persecution will certainly be coming. There's no doubt about it. So he's saying, watch at all times. Be on the alert. That's fighting talk. That's that's army talk. Be on the alert and pray that you might have the strength to escape and stand before the Son of Man. In other words, following Jesus will lead you into conflict. It will. You will have opposition. Paul will say, anyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You definitely will have opposition. You definitely will be persecuted. You definitely will have to face the enemy. Definitely. There's no doubt. If you go to sleep, it will do you no good. Prayer. If you, if you, um, if you forget that you're in a war, your prayer will, it's not a weapon anymore. It's just, as I say, the hotel intercom. Could you send me up, you know, a bottle of wine and two glasses? Really, you know, that's what, that's what most of our prayers are about. Yeah, quick fix, something that will make me feel good. Um, but if you're on the alert and you're calling for help in battle, what do you think God's answer is going to be? He's going to come and help, of course. He's going to send in the reinforcements. Why? Because he's setting us up for victory. And so he wants us to be victorious. Um, look at another example. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. 1 Timothy um, 2, 1 to 4. Um, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, at first glance, that looks like a very simple prayer, doesn't it? Yeah? It looks like, um, you know, that okay, entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. So, yeah, sure, we do that. But look again at verse 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is Satan's aim? To keep as many people as he can from coming to a knowledge of the truth. Right? And one of his key strategies is what? Yeah, deception. One of his key strategies is to start battles in the world that distract Christians from the main battle. 
so to start skirmishes here, there and everywhere. I think probably I could name a few at the moment and if you don't agree with me that's okay because I'm still thinking it through but I just had a conversation with Kim. I think Brexit is one of those skirmishes. Only because I think the amount of time that Christians are spending praying for this thing, it's not wrong to pray for it. I, it's not, I mean, I actually voted leave. I'm sorry if you didn't, but I voted leave. So I am glad I want to be out. I, I want to be out. And it bothers me all the time it's taking and everything else. But to spend the majority of my time praying for that is a complete and utter distraction because I'm here to fight the fight, to keep the faith. I'm here to bring people to know Jesus Christ. I'm not here to argue government battles. I mean, I, there's lots of other things you could think of. The preoccupation with the American presidency, the amount of stuff online about Trump, it just about does your head in, you know. It's just like endless. Is it important who's the president of the United States? Yes. Will I pray at the election time? Maybe. But am I going to spend every waking moment thinking about it, twittering about it, or tweeting about it, or Facebooking about it? No, no, I'm not. Why? Because that's got nothing to do with people hearing the gospel. You know, what? there's lots of things that are coming into our, into our uh, thinking. Lots of things we're spending a long time praying about. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved. I'm not saying Christians against... Christians Against Poverty is an amazing ministry. But you know with Christians Against Poverty, they know you're a Christian. And they know you want them to be a Christian. And at some time, the person who goes in there is going to give them the gospel. Yeah. Going to invite them to church. Going to do something. Going to do something about the main problem for that person. Yeah. Not all the other problems that have been layered on top of it. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So we have to be sure that we're fighting the real battle and not all the other stuff that Satan is bringing in to complicate us, to confuse us. What does Paul say about the battle in Ephesians 6? What does he say? He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about Brexit. It's not about Trump. It's not how you vote or how I vote. It's nothing to do with that. It's not even to do with what you think about transgender issues. That's really not it. There are millions of people who are debating transgender and 99.9% .9 of them don't know Jesus. Do you really want to battle transgenderism and never give them the gospel? I'm not saying that, of course we have to stand for what is right. We have to stand for what God calls us to stand for. Of course we must pray for these things. I hate the transgender agenda. I hate it with a passion because my children and their grandchildren are affected by it. And I hate that. But I hate even more that Satan is so confusing our mind and taking us off to fight those battles when we're leaving all these same people without the gospel. It's like I've always said about homosexuality and all of that stuff. Why are we so intent on telling everybody they can't be homosexual when they're not believers? I mean, for goodness sake, if you're not a believer, you're not going to live like a believer. Even believers struggle to live like believers. So why would we do that? Surely, isn't it better to say, you know, 
this is, this is the gospel message. You are a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We're born estranged from God. We can't get to God. It doesn't matter if you're never homosexual. You're never anything. It doesn't matter how good you ever are. You can never get to God. So I know whoever you are and whatever you've done and whatever you're involved in, even if you voted remain, you still need a saviour. To see what I mean? You still need a saviour. So my job now is not to fight unnecessary battles, but to speak the truth and live the truth. Live the truth. You ask me, can homosexuals take up positions of, of uh, leadership in the church? No. God says categorically that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. I, I'm not, I can't change his word. But I can tell you that if you tell me you're a homosexual and you're not a Christian, I'm not going to bother about the homosexuality until you've come into the family. And then I'm going to share some things with you about family life that perhaps you don't know. Do you see what I mean? So can we just start to understand this is all the work of Satan. It's all the work of Satan. It's his work to confuse people and it is his work to distract the church, to be spending all of our time trying to unravel the social problems of our day instead of talking to people about the gospel. We haven't got time, we? No, because we're trying to do everything else. Exactly. No. Of course, it's just wave upon wave upon wave upon wave. And Satan is really active. Why? Because he knows Christ is coming. Yeah, knows he's coming. <laughs> and, and Christians should be at least as active, don't you think? Yeah. And especially when we've been given a weapon that is un, it, it, infallible. Yeah. You cannot lose if you pray. Yeah. You cannot lose. It is a weapon. It is the walkie-talkie. It is the red phone on the desk. It is the hotline to the one who is all-powerful. Invincible, unchanging God. So when Paul prays for peace, when he says pray for peace, and because God desires all men to come to a knowledge of the truth, he's saying that because if there's peace in the country, it's easier to preach the gospel because people are not caught up with everything else. You know, if you've got a war going on in your country, I mean a real physical war going on in your country, people are afraid bombs dropping, there's this happening, there's that happening, you know, you might not be able to catch their attention with your gospel message. Maybe. So what Paul's saying is, just pray that there's a sort of peace around so that you can come in with your weapons of war and fight the enemy who is unseen. I read about, um, this is, I'm, I'm quoting this, and I can't remember where I'm quoting it from, but... Um, uh, apparently, in an old issue of World Christian Magazine, there was a man called David Bryant. I, I'd never heard of him, but he was obviously a missionary of some description. And he tells about a young Hindu social worker who came to America and stayed at his house. He and his wife took her one evening to dinner at a friend's home. On the way, they showed that on the way there, the Hindu woman witnessed to David Bryant and his wife. She showed them a picture of a guru who had died 45 years earlier. She and her family now worship him and pray to him. When David Bryant said, but he's dead, she disagreed and said that in response to her prayers, he had given her a very good life and surrounded her with many blessings. 
When they got to the home where they would eat dinner, David Bryant hoped that his Christian friend would help bear a witness to the Hindu woman. But he was dismayed when at the dinner table his host said, great house, isn't it? I know I put a lot more into it than I can ever hope to get out of it, but I don't mind. We plan to be here the next 45 years, God willing. We're so thankful. The Lord has blessed us in so many ways. I don't know what we'd do without him. David Bryant sat in his backyard the next morning asking himself, is that the point of prayer? To treat God like Coke? Things go better with Coke. Things go better with Christ. Or things go better with a guru. And that's what we do when we talk about physical things as if God has blessed us with them. You can say to me, we can talk amongst ourselves with the fact that, well, I really was in need and God really came through for me. In a physical way, he did this or he did that or he brought this or brought that. But you can't really be talking to unbelievers about the fact that God gave you a parking space. Not that he doesn't give you a parking space. I do sometimes think he does. But really? Really? That's like, you know, well, I tossed a coin and I took the right turning. How amazing is that? Fate. You know, this is the message we're giving to people. We're saying, you know, if you say the right thing in the right way at the right time, whoops, Bob's your uncle. We are saying things go better with Christ. Things go better with Coke. You remember that ad, right? Or is that a bit too... I mean, that, that man, what he's saying, and that's how Christians are. That's how we are, one with another. We're praying, praying for an easy life. Praying that God will fix it. And, and, and this is the truth. I pray almost every day that God will protect my grandchildren. That he will keep them from the evil and the wickedness that abounds. And that's not wrong to pray that. But I want the same passion to pray for making disciples. I want the same passion to be given. I want to have the same passion about praying for all the lost that are out there that are going to hell, even as I speak. Matthew 6, 33, remember what Jesus said? Your father knows what you need. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom. The power of prayer wasn't given to make us comfortable, but we were given that that gift to wield as a weapon and the weapon the weapon that prayer wields if you like i've said that prayer is a weapon but i'm changing the picture now so prayer is the arm that wields the weapon of the word of god and take up the sword of the spirit ephesians 6:17 which is the word of god take and as i said oh here it is i said that it's all one sentence um the, uh, the sentence, verse 18 and verse 17 connect in this way. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying through all prayer and supplication on every occasion. So it's a connecting sentence. Prayer is the power that wields the weapon of the word of God. 
And by the word of God, we do battle with sin and unbelief in our lives and in the world. So, God has revealed to us that prayer is the power that moves the weapon. And the weapon of the word serves prayer. So think about that. Both things are true. Go backwards and forwards with it. Prayer enables you to wield the weapon of of the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And the word of God also helps you to pray. In what way does it help you to pray? Yes, yes. Well, first of all, it tells you about a God who loves for you to pray. The word of God tells you that God delights to hear your prayer. The most basic encouragement, actually, for us to pray is that God loves to hear our voice. Imagine if you, every time you prayed, you knew that the creator and sustainer of the universe stopped what he was doing, sat down and listened to your voice. I mean, think about it. I find it so difficult, you know, uh, on these days, because I hate it when I talk to someone and their eyes are all over the place. Do you know what I mean? And so I really try not to do that, but I also don't want to miss anybody. I don't want to not say hello to someone or everything else. So I'm really difficult trying to keep my eyes on that conversation and my mind on that, so that you're not thinking I'm not talking to you, not listening to you, and that I'm trying to get on somewhere else. I mean, in the days when I was an expat and I didn't know the Lord, that was my whole thing, you know. Who's the, who's the person I want to talk to in the room? No, it's not you, and it's not you. Oh, it's you. So that's what happens at cocktail parties. Everybody's doing that. You know, they're looking for who they want to talk to, and if you stop them on the way, they'll spend 10 seconds, and then you know you're not important enough, and they're going to go on. I don't want that. But now think about that. Think about you and thinking about how, and then think, okay, all of us are here. And Ruby, I'm looking at you, so Ruby starts to pray. And God says, wow, Ruby's praying. I'm sitting down and I'm going to listen to this because I want to know what she's saying. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if you knew that God was doing that every time you prayed. Now think, he stopped to listen. Do I really want to ask him for a new pair of shoes or... You know, he's actually stopped what he's doing and he's listening to me. And what am I going to ask him for? Do you see how it it kind of all connects? So God delights in our prayers. And the word of God tells us that. Revelation 5 verse 8, Proverbs 15 verse 8, Psalm 50 verse 15. Secondly, the word helps prayer by commanding that we pray. Over and over in scripture it says pray. Pray unceasingly. Pray at all times, he said in Ephesians 6. Pray at all times. How many other ways can he say it? Pray unceasingly. Don't stop praying. You know, pray at all times. We are to pray all the time. We are to pray all the time. Why? 
Exactly, because it doesn't take very much to be distracted, but also because he wants us to know that he's our only hope, our only defense, our only weapon, our only commander, our only everything. He wants us, he wants us to know that he is so crucial to our existence that we know we can't exist without hearing from him and talking to him. Why would you pray all the time? Why would you do that? Yes. Keeps you close, yeah. Just uh, be much more unspiritual than that. Why would you pray all the time to God? Yes, and? Say that again. Yes, Satan's working all the time against me. And he doesn't stop. Yes, so why would I? But secondly, because... I believe that God wants to help me, that he wants to give me victory, that he will help me with the enemy. You won't pray all the time if you don't believe that. So you don't pray if you don't think there's an enemy, and you certainly won't pray if you don't think God will help you with the enemy. If you don't think you're in a battle, you won't pray. If, if, if your life's going okay, why would you pray? Yeah. But you see, the thing is, why is your life going okay? I've just said, we're in a battle. We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight the enemy. We fight Satan and his demons. We fight the principalities in the heavenly places. We fight an unseen enemy. If your life is going okay, he's not hassling you. Why not? Exactly, because he can leave you over there to your quiet existence, worrying about Brexit and worrying about Trump and doing all of that, because you are ineffective in the kingdom. Why is your life not going well? I'm not saying all the time, sometimes things happen, but mostly, why would your life not be going well? Exactly, because you have an enemy who's working against you because he's afraid. If he takes his foot off the pedal, oh my goodness, what is he or she going to do? They're going to be out on the streets of Sirencester telling people about Jesus. Oh no! Do you see what I mean? So look at your life. Look at your life. Look at the issues of your life. Look at your physical health. Look at your emotional health. Look at your family. Look at all the things that are saying to you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You, I, I can't go on the streets. I haven't got time. There's so much going on in my family. I just can't do it. I'm only using on the streets as an example. I'm not saying everybody's got to go on the streets, but you know what I mean. I can't do that. I don't have time. I can't, I can't get my head around that. Well, that's the enemy. If, if we wake up every morning and we know what Satan wants to stop me doing today is living for the Lord Jesus, in whatever way that means, praying, praising, talking to someone, whatever, whatever it means... If I wake up that in the morning and, and I write on my side of my bed, Satan wants to stop me talking about Jesus or living for Jesus, and I really believe that, I'm going to look at everything that comes in my day as him who is trying to stop me doing what God has called me to do, rather than, oh my goodness, what am I going to do about this problem and this problem and this problem? 
Do you see what I mean? I'm going to say to the Lord in the morning, okay, I want to live for you. And I know Satan's at work. So when something happens, help me to see it for what it is. For what it is. And then help me to remember that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is the sword of the Spirit, that it will cut down the enemy, that when I tell him, you've got no place with me, I know that the word says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and you have to run. I know that that's true. So can you see how just even deciding, and I'm really serious about writing it on a piece of paper. I'm really serious. Write it somewhere so that every day that's what you see. I'm going to choose to look at every disadvantage that happens, everything that looks bad in my life, everything that is coming against me. I'm going to choose to see as the work of the enemy. And I am not going to spend my time thinking about that. I'm going to leave that to the Lord and go on with him. Now, I'm not saying you'll manage it every day, for goodness sake. We're just human beings, you know. But you'll have more good days than bad. And you'll have more times when you know the victory, when you get into bed at night and you can say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You came through, God. And I'm here and I'm alive and I'm still glorifying you. God wants to be God for us, but he can't be because we're always getting in the way. Uh, there's so many commandments to pray. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you all the scripture verses. I've got them here if you want to, um, um, if you want to know some of them. But um, Third, so the, the word of God, um, we pray because God loves to hear prayer. The word, and, the, and the word tells us that he loves to hear our prayers. Secondly, the word helps us because it commands that we pray, so we're in no doubt about it, we have to pray. And third, the word helps prayer by offering us promises to keep us praying. So the word tells us the promises, the blessing that we will have when we pray. Second Chronicles 7, 14, Psalm 145, Jeremiah 29, John 15, 7, Matthew 7, 7, um, lots and lots and lots, lots. Uh, God is the kind of God who enjoys, who longs to hear our prayer so much so that he promises blessing if you do it. Imagine you with your children. My um, grandson, Joshua, he's four and he hates to go to school at the minute. He's done one whole term. He's in the second, part, second half of first term. And every day he cries when he's got to go up the steps, particularly if his mum drops him. If, if I drop him or his grandfather drops him, he doesn't cry so much, but he um, cries. Why am I saying this? Why am I saying that? <sighs> oh, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, so he doesn't want to go up the steps. Well, of course not. He doesn't particularly like school. He's got to do what he's told. When he's not at school, he doesn't have to. It's like normal, normal people. Okay, but if you promise him something... I don't mean necessarily an ice cream, although I have resorted to that. But, but if you say to him, 
wow, Joshua, do you know, if you go up these steps today, it's going to be so amazing for you because you're going to be strong and mighty, Joshua, and, and the Lord's going to be with you, and you're going to get into that classroom, and it's going to be so great. You're going to hang your coat up, and when you get home, we can tell Mummy that you did it and you didn't cry, and she'll put a sticker on the chart on the wall, and wow, how great that will be. And he goes up the steps because you've promised him something, something good, something that he wants. He wants to feel good about himself. He wants the, the sticker on the, on the chart. So you promise him that, and he does it. Why do you think God promises blessings to you? Because you're just like Joshua, and you won't pray if you don't get that promise. You might pray when things are really hard, but you won't pray when things are normal. Of course. Yes. Exactly. 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 The whole thing is a win-win, you know. So, uh, the Word of God serves prayer because the Word tells us God likes to hear us pray. The Word instructs us to pray. The Word tells us the promises we of the blessing when we uh, do pray. And, f- and that's not all. The uh, whole Word of God, the Bible, is a book of answered prayer. The whole Bible is a book of answered prayer. Jesus, we read about Jesus in Luke 6, praying the night before he chose his disciples. He prayed all night, and God answered. It tells of Solomon praying for wisdom and understanding so he could rule well, and he got wisdom and understanding. Talks of Elijah praying that no rain would fall, and no rain falls. And then it tells about him praying for rain to fall, and rain falls. On and on and on and on, people who pray and God answers prayer. And finally, uh, so that was four, that God answers prayer. The whole Bible, the word of God is a book of answered prayer. And finally, um, the fifth thing, that the word of God helps us in praying because it gives us the content of our prayers. Um, you know that you have to pray according to the will of God. I don't need to tell you that, right? You have to pray according to the will of God. How do you know the will of God? (coughs) Through the word. It's the only way you really absolutely categorically know the word of God. There's no other way to really totally know the word of God, uh, the will of God confidently. I mean, you can have some good ideas, but to absolutely know that your prayer is in the will of God, you couldn't do better than to pray the word of God. Just pray back the word of God. So how does that look? Well, Lord, you tell me you're not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So I am praying for this person or that person or that person, based on your promise that you don't want anyone to perish that you want everyone to come to repentance. So I'm praying that this person will come to repentance. And I'm asking you, on the basis of that promise, that you will enable me to be just what is necessary for that person to see you, to hear you and to see you in me and to come to a repentance because they've seen the truth. These are prayers based on the word of God. Prayer is a weapon, just like the word of God. The two are joined. And when our prayers are full of the word of God, imagine how powerful they are. What was two, um, he delights in our prayers and he uh, commands us, instructs us to pray. 
Um, so I, I can see sleepy faces. You're trying not to nod off, but I can see some people are nodding off. So it's time for a cake, lots of sugar and a cup of tea. Yes. 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 All of these things that we're talking about, what you do alone with God. Um, so th this putting on the armor, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and um, and the praying. It's important. I mean, it's like you know, it's important to pray alone with to be alone with God. I mean, um, Jesus talks about when you pray, go into your closet. He, you know. He doesn't mean what we mean by a closet. He means a small space. <laughs> and go into your closet and pray. And, um, well, you tell me, why must you do that? Because no distractions. That's one thing, no distractions. Yeah, you can be more honest if people are not listening. Yeah. Building a relationship, yes. Yeah. But it just focuses the mind, doesn't it? It focuses your mind and it helps you to understand that you're there and so is God. So is God. It's hard in big open spaces. I mean, definitely you can... Um, definitely God's with you. He's with you all the time. But, but somehow you're not distracted. I think that's what it is. Is that what you think, David? Yeah. I think that that's what it means. Yes, much more. I mean, imagine... Um, Think about your, the best person you've ever known, right? And um, you're going to see them tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you're going to see them. It's great. You've got so much to share with them. They've got so much to share with you. You're going to talk and talk and talk. And then you take them to Covent Garden. You know, have you been to Covent Garden recently? It's like mega, loads of people. So you take them there and you try to have a conversation over a cup of coffee in Starbucks, you know, and everybody's talking and you're in the middle of Covent Garden. It's wonderful, it's exciting, you can look at those things together, but you're probably not going to have a great one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's what that's about. It's about how much do you value Jesus? Will you spend time alone with him? Because, yeah... I think I said this morning, I'm a people person. I like to be with people. Yeah. It's hard for me to be on my own with God. I think I read half past four. Uh, oh. It's the best. <laughs> I hope that's not true, Alan. <laughs> I hope it's not true. Alan's saying he read somewhere that 4.30 a.m. is the best time to be with the Lord. And I said, I hope that's not true. <laughs> but it's true for Alan. He does his best praying. Yes. Oh, we're going to do that in the next one. Yes. I think actually of all the weapons that may be, first or second, I don't know whether prayer or... It's hard to separate them, but definitely praise and worship. Okay, cake and tea, and I'll see you in about 20 minutes.